Welcome to the City Edge Church podcast. For more information, please visit our website at cityedgechurch.org.au. We hope that you enjoy this message. But I have come to share a word because I believe I have a word from the Lord for us. And I want to talk about parents and how to pack your child's parachute. Because whoever packs your parachute uh, is going to make a statement. You know, there's um, a a person who was a son of a politician. He had done 100 jumps, but he failed to pack his own parachute. And when he landed and he got killed on his 100th jump, they found out he had actually allowed an incompatible emergency chute to be placed in the back. It wasn't compatible with the other one, so he didn't pack it right. But interestingly enough, there's uh, the first female professor in physiology in Australia was appointed to actually do something with the seatbelts in, in cars. This is back in the 70s. Uh, she was commissioned to get the seatbelts right for the positioning of it, but she also found out what was causing the women who were getting killed by parachutes. Interestingly enough, at that stage, statistics was 99% of deaths by parachutes were women. And she found out that the ability to get to the emergency pull cord wasn't happening with girls. So somehow the anatomy didn't let them reach around to pull the cord for the emergency chute, and so they died. She discovered that. I just want you to watch this video. Remembers it? Who knows the name of the movie? The Spy Who Loved Me. But I want to talk today about the parent who loved me. Because someone has to pack your parachute. Someone has to prepare someone for their jump out of childhood or being a teenage into adulthood when they go into university, into a workplace, into marriage, into family. And if someone hasn't packaged their journey of leaving home, of leaving their safe place as a child, young adult, once they release in that, they can actually get hurt. And today I hope you actually encourage us how not to get hurt. Now I looked for the scripture to find a passage on parachutes, and I couldn't find one. (laughs) But I did find one on arrows. This was a very good for disciplining my sons at one stage. Um, Will you turn with me to... uh, Psalm 127, short passage of scripture. Let me pray. Father, today as we open up your word, I pray for the anointing, the breath of the Holy Spirit to be upon these words that the congregation will hear what they need to hear from these words. They won't hear my words, they'll hear the words of God as it's spoken for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 127 says, unless the Lord packs the parish, I mean builds the house, uh, they labor in vain, who builds it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, 
to eat the bread of sorrows, so he gives his beloved sleep. Listen to this one. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb, of the womb is a reward. Say for me, reward. Parents, children are meant as a gift from God to reward you. And today in the midst of us, I'll probably unwrap how to turn those. Sometimes they don't feel like a reward. They feel like a, a burden. I uh, hope they'll unwrap some of those today to help you uh, get through that place so they are a reward. But look at the next thing he says, the psalmist says this, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. The word warrior, it doesn't say a, a parent. It doesn't say a, uh, uh, an owner. It says a warrior. So children are in the hands of a warrior. So let's unwrap that in a second. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is a man and woman who has his quiver full of them. That's five. Who's had five children here? Anyone had five children? Six? Oh, look at this. Come on. Hands together for that lady. Six children. <laughs> why, I, why I ask for five? Quiver means five. And it doesn't mean you're not happy if you have one, two, or three. It's just purely just the word quiver means you, when a warrior went out hunting or something, he always had five arrows. It was a quiverful. Um, they shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. Arrows. Arrows is an offensive weapon. It's uh, meant to be a very accurate weapon against the enemy. And God is saying, you've got to bring your arrows, your children are like arrows against the enemies of their soul. Because in our life, we're going to have a few enemies, we're going to have worries, fear, we're going to have feelings. We're going to have foes. But God wants to give you faith to actually see the victory. And so I want to sh share from an arrow about how we prepare this. Well, who knows that a person who makes arrows is called a Fletcher. A Fletcher. A Fletcher, his responsibility is to shape and make the arrow. He's meant to straighten it. Make it straight, because if it's not straight, it's not going to throw straight. Parents, we're called to straighten out our kids sometimes. Straighten out their laziness, their bad language, their attitudes. Their, 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 the fact that they think they deserve privileges because they're just born. But the responsibility of a Fletcher <laughs> is, uh, is uh, to straighten out the child. And the responsibility lays upon you. Not the police force, it's a bit too late then. Not the courthouse, it's very late then. And definitely not the prisons. And may I say, not even the schools. Because the schools may not be working for you. But you at home have got God on your side when you want to make that arrow straight. And so don't be afraid of using a bit of the rod to make them straight. You might say, oh, this is against the Lord. No, it's not. It's not against law in Australia to discipline your children, but you can't do it in anger. You're allowed to discipline your child. If they require a little tap with a nice little stingy, if we had this, my wife and I had this beautiful piece of yellow plastic, which they put in the, between the floorboards. You know those floorboards, the yellow that stings beautifully. <laughs> and, and it still sits in our private place behind the bathroom door to remind the children that once upon a time, they weren't straight. But um, we're going to straighten out their language, their respect, how they perceive the opposite gender, even their, their siblings. 
Parents, it's our role, responsibility is to make the child straight. That's what Fletcher does. Because this is going to be a weapon for their life. It's a warrior. We've got to realize that I'm a warrior training a child to be a warrior. I'm not talking about warrior. I'm talking about warrior, war. We're a war. The third thing, second thing we must remember is that a fletching, a fletcher has, puts fletchings in the arrow. These are the little feathers. And what a fletching is, is the flat side of the feather. And these are there to be able to project and leave the arrow out of balance. Because if it's not balanced, the arrow will go wobbly and miss the mark. But the whole idea of the feathers is to keep the arrow balanced. Now, parents, your responsibility and mine is to make sure our children have a balanced life. I want to honor every parent who brought their children to church today. Come on, let's give those parents a great clap. Don't ever fall for the liars, our church is boring. Oh, therefore, I won't force my kids to come. Uh, well, if you're not going to bring him in the ways of God, who is? And so the important thing about balance is you teach a child to balance between sport, music. The balance has to happen for the arrow to go straight. Uh, my wife and I taught our children they could play sport on Sundays, but we did insist they get to a church service in the morning or the night. Nothing wrong with sport. I love it. May I share this promise with you? God loves your kids so much that He'll share your children with the world. But the world will not share your children with God. They make no room in their conversation, they make no room in their thinking about having your child brought up in the ways of God. They want to take your child and their emotions and their life and eventually have it so entrenched and so cemented in the world system that a child will be struggling and under the shame. Were those songs being this morning? I hadn't heard that song before, that the shame was a grave for me, and I broke out. What a wonderful statement. But that's what happens in life. We get caught up in the world, and it puts a shame upon us, and then we think, will God accept me back? But the answer is yes. But our responsibility as parents is straighten them out, give them a balance so it goes straight. And the third thing we do, we must sharpen the point. You see, no one knows a child's giftings better than a parent because you see it happening all the time. There's a kid talkative. Is a kid intuitive? What are the givings of a child? They're like math. I, 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 was a, well, I wasn't a very good dad. Uh, most, of, most of the time I was okay. But uh, I, I was pretty good at math. But my son Ashley could not count one and one. He could never get it. And I would get angry. And I'm sorry, that was a mistake. Math was not my son's giftings. He's a talker. He's a wise man. But I was trying to make him my gifting, so I wasn't sharpening his point that God had given him. I've got to realize that if he's not good at something, I don't go putting energies and trying to make him good at a gift that God has given him. I should be putting my energies into the gifts that God had given him. And my parents try to make me sing, and I can't sing. I try to play guitar. I learned playing guitar for two years. I wanted to be a rock and roll star. I did. I really did. I still can't play guitar. I learned, I paid men to try to teach me. Then I became the senior pastor of my church and I became the song leader because I was a boss. <laughs> um, but in life, your responsibility, see what a child is good at. 
because you're going to sharpen that point because when that child is straight, when that child has a balanced life, and when you've actually sharpened the point, they'll hit the mark, they'll get to the place you want to send them. So you straighten them, you balance them, you sharpen it. The fourth thing you do, you actually practice. Children's life is always played out before you. How they behave when they go to the shops, how they behave when they go to visitors, visiting homes. You know, they, they can be a little bit unruly. But our responsibility, as Scripture says, is to watch and pray. I observe my child's behavior, and the favorite observation was I'd show them my buckle, and I'd go out. And they knew if I showed them the buckle, they were in trouble. Because we were watching and praying. And this is a hint to parents. If you're bringing children somewhere and you know they're going to play up, don't expect them to remember what they're supposed to do there. Before every outside event we took our children to, my wife and I would diligently just give them a rundown. This is what we expect of you. And guess what? 95% of the time, the children obeyed that. But if I expect them to remember and not me not brief them before the event, 95% of the time they do the wrong thing. And so all the things, whatever values you have, I'm not telling you what values to put in there. The Word of God will tell you those. But the values you have is going to bring about your answers to life. It brings out how the child will flow up because you're actually watching and praying. And I begin to see what giftings are. I begin to see their behavior, how they deal with their with their siblings. All those things are observed by a parent at home. And out of that, you begin to navigate the child to make them the arrow that will leave your home one day like a parachute and hit the mark you wanted to hit. Who knows what um, archery calls an arrow which misses a target? It's got a word. I'll give you a hint. It's got three letters. The word is a sin, S-I-N. You go to archery and your arrow goes forth and it misses the target. Flag will come up, sin. I wonder why. Most of our Western society gets their values from our, the Word of God, amen. So where did God instruct believers to train up our children? Well, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Come with me to Deuteronomy chapter 6 if you've got your Bible. It's a good idea to bring your Bible to church. Sometimes the pastor may not have his slides ready for you to see on the screen. So like today, haven't got your Bible, uh, you've got a problem. But if the guys at the back are very quick, Deuteronomy chapter 6, reading from verses 4 to 12. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lay down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as front, frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Here we've got the responsibility of training about children from Scripture. Now, I don't know if you understand that the Old Testament, the magnificence of the Old Testament was that it was a lifestyle that God was carving out for His people. You realize the Jewish nation had been in slavery for 430 years. No government organization, they were slaves. They didn't have anything set up. They just had to obey orders and work 
as slaves. When God released them, they lived without any, stru- any structure, without any organization, and they were now in the wilderness, and God began to download a culture, a society of what makes a people function. And he's bringing out to the Jewish people, okay, you guys, you're going to follow these rules, and I'm going to bless you, but you must teach it to your children. I'll tell you why he must teach it to your children. Look what he says now. So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which he sworn to your parents, to, uh, to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards that did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget. Read this. Beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Parents, we bring up our children in a comfortable regime in Australia, and children fail often to forget where it came from. They think they're born in a privilege, and that's normal life. But God is saying very clearly, make sure when you actually have the prosperity, you don't forget where you came from. Because if you do, the world takes you on a journey out of God's kingdom, into a place of selfishness, and you're wondering what's happening in the struggle in the world. Now, why does 1% of the world population have more wealth than the other 99%? Why are there so many starving people around? People live in prosperity, so much money, they, they're finding things to spend the money on. But yet, millions starve. Because once you forget who is the author of your liberty, we then get caught up in the selfishness and forget that it came from God. Have you ever thought when you say the Lord's Prayer? And he says, here you are, you're in, in a lovely home, but God's, Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And he says, thy will be done on earth as is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, who had to go and ask God for bread this morning? No one in this room, right? But why did Jesus make that statement? Give us this day our daily In other words, remember never to forget that your dependency is on a God who provided for us. Give us this other, I don't own anything. I am just a steward of what God has given me. Everything I have, I'm a steward of it. And I am called by Jesus to remember this, give us this day our daily bread. Why? I, I have bread, I have a fridge full. But I'm asking God, he's bringing our memory. In this prayer, he's teaching us, God's first, He's a provider second, and He goes on to forgive us our sins. We know the rest of the prayer. But here, God again is training us to remember the very impact that Jesus, or the, the Word of God was pointing here, back here in Deuteronomy. When you walk out of your bondage into these cities in Canaan, which is just full of, full of good things and vineyards and everything, don't forget where you came from. Remember who's provided this. And friend. Our parents, our responsibility is to let our children know this. Now, my wife and I had the privilege of bringing up our children, and we would weekly have a, a family altar. And we'd always, be, we'd always say our grace, and we'd then we'd have a shared time around our table. It was a culture we developed, and I was supposed to talk to you about these books, Paul, sorry, just quickly, but this book here is about the way we brought up our family. It, it got myself ready to be a, the right person, so I could marry the right girl, but it was a bit too late for me. I had to fix myself up. Uh, and the latter part with this, when, you, when you're right and you've got the right girl or you've got the right guy, if you're a girl, uh, 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 
uh, has, has the ways of, of bringing up your children. Uh, this one was about my daughter Sarah. She uh, came back from university. Dad couldn't have a book to give to a young girl. She led to the Lord. And uh, I didn't have a, other than big theological books. So I downloaded the whole Gospels, every story in the Gospel, every parable, all the values that Jesus brings out. And I put them into a simple, it's about 48 chapters, one or two pages long, talking about an aspect of, of Christ from his conception to his return. That's what that's all about. It's a good theological book, uh, but gives the foundations to people who, who um, are looking at Christianity for the first time or, 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 just, or looking at uh, being born again recently. This is what we do for pre-marriage counseling, the foundation to all the pre-marriage counseling that we've done in our church life. And uh, that's, that's, that's by far the bestseller. Uh, thousands have gone out. This one here is, uh, my wife is holding this one back. I'm going to say this to her because she has to do the first part of this. But I've had so many people requesting how to bring up teenagers. And I've done my bit. It's about 95% of my uh, stuff here is completed. But a foundation of what to do to turn your children around or prepare for your teenagers. And um, they, they are they're available at the back. But uh, I'm not here to sell books, but I, I do believe in resources that help you become the best parent, become the best husband, be the best wife, be the best teenager, and be a good child. So, Abraham. Why was Abraham chosen by God to be the father of the Jewish culture? Scripture says so clearly, because he would train up his children and men in the house. He would train them up. This dad was committed to train up the people God had given him. And he was going to train them in the ways of Jehovah who would revealed himself to him. And because of that, God placed upon him Father Abraham. He is the beginning of our Christian, Judeo Christian faith. It comes all the way down from a man who was born in heathenism. He was actually a, a, a moon and sun worshiper from the Ur of Chaldeans. And God pulled him out of that place, set him in a place of trust. He said, will you tr- bring up your children the way we do? And he, I will. And he did. And he has. And he trained up all his soldiers. He trained them all up. He said, I am responsible for who God has given me. And because of that, God says, now you can look after my people. And that's why he's a father of faith. God will help you. Faith is trusting God. The best understanding of faith we can have is it means trusting God. What time have we got? Five minutes? Good. Eli. Eli was a high priest. He didn't train up his kids in the way they should go. And his two sons who should have been priests end up being people at the gates of the temple, taking advantage of people bringing the offerings and taking advantage of the woman there. Totally different because Eli would not train up his kids. David trained Solomon. Do you know Solomon, who who's, who's, um, wrote the book of, book of Proverbs, the book of Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomons? He was trained by his father David. David was a man of God, a man of faith, who began to bring up his son Solomon, who wrote such wise statements about bringing up children and how to deal with finances. He trained him up. A dad took responsibility for his son, and he saw the fruit of that. Amen? Paul. The great theologian of the New Testament was actually trained up by a rabbi called Gamil in the, in, the, in, in the Sanhedrin there. And he trained him up to know the things of God. And out of that, Paul became the great theologian that wrote most of our stuff. Ephesians chapter 6, dads. Dads and mums. It can't be uh, 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 really the, the scripture is inclusive all the times. But um, Paul, when he's writing, he's talking to husbands and wives, but dads take responsibility. Your responsibility. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, he says, 
Uh, and you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the world, of the Lord. Dads, be careful that we don't actually create a tension between you and your sons, especially sons that are strong sons. You, our responsibility, whether you're adult, child's a child. Uh, never, never place a, a, a shroud or a cloak over your child. Expect them to be and have the maturity of an adult. They are children. They're, even at 18, they're still children. And I wish someone had told me that when I was 18, uh, that I was, uh, you realize, you think we know it all. And you're surprised with the age of 21. Gee, mum and dad have got smart in the last few years. Eh? Uh, <laughs> but the reality is, this is the, the reality is God is holding us accountable. Don't depend on your skill to do it. The skill should be echoing your values. Only echoing your values. And if they're not, go and tell them. Because the children belong to you. And when you get to heaven, you say, oh, yeah, but, but the skill did it. No. Yeah, but the neighbor, no. God's going to hold us accountable. And I, I want to be held accountable to God because I know that when I did it God's way, I got my marriage sorted out, I got my children sorted out, I got my life sorted out, and my wife had a decent husband after that. <laughs> Bring up with the training and admonition. Dads, don't try to dominate your children. Be a demonstrator of how life is done. We don't dominate them, we demonstrate. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Here's even better. Therefore, as elect of God, holy and beloved, hello, so I got the wrong. Oh, 21, verse 21, sorry. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. We can discourage our children by expecting too much of them. And the word discouraged there in, in the Greek actually means the prolonged stimulation of negativity. You can dump on your kid, and I was doing that to my son by saying, why can't you just mask on? You get angry at him and, and Fran would come and protect him from this crazy dad who was angry. Had no reason to be angry other than he wasn't achieving what I think he should have achieved rather than what God wanted him to achieve. And can I say that he's achieving everything God wants him to achieve now because I got out of the way and God got in the way. But here, Colossians is saying, Father, don't provoke your children. But our responsibility is to train them up. Not a school and not the media. Just quickly, I may have said this last time. But by the time your child is, is 16, they've watched 11,000 hours of television. That doesn't include the four hours of social media they're watching a day. And we're wondering who's talking to our kids. But let me tell you the best news. In the, in the 1960s, 70s, they did a survey of who was the most influential upon a child. Have I got some more time, Paul? Okay. Uh, who was the most influential in a child's life? And, and they had one out of ten. They had parents and all the way down to pre teachers, relatives, cops, uh, media, friends, and all that. And it went something like this. Parents, uh, relatives, teachers... Uh, pastors, and then friends, and then media was right down the bottom. In, 19, in 2016, guess who number one was? Parents. Number two was media. Number three was friends. Pastors and teachers right down the bottom. I'm saying this. Don't ever think your kids disengage me. God, wide them up to want you in their life. 
Don't ever pull yourself away from thinking that I'm disqualified. You're not disqualified. They may make statements to you that aren't pleasant. They may say you're a dinosaur. No, I'm not a fossil. Fossils are dead. I'm a dinosaur. I'm still alive. Yes, but but reality is uh, we we want to. (laughs) uh, We are still influential in our child's life. Don't ever, ever let the media disqualify you because they want your child's heart. They want your child's life and take them on a journey out of the kingdom of God. Quickly finishing. Parents, teach your children how to think, what's wise, what's prudent, and what's discreet. Teach them about pre-event decisions. Talk to them about what's going to happen in an event. Get in a discussion. I'll share that in a teenage book. But get involved. It's a wonderful journey. Seeing your children have victory, and they come home victorious. I tell the story of my son David last time. He went to soccer up in Townsville. And I said, as soon as you get there, son, they're going to bring out the pornography, the drugs, the, the alcohol, the smokes. He's only 14, and he's going on a weekend away. And I wasn't allowed to go because the, the, they didn't let parents go. This campsite prepared him. And um, so he goes there, he comes back. And, uh, and I, so, I, so I said, son, when that happens, I said, when that happens, I says, make sure that you have something to say. You're not going to say, oh, daddy, well, let me watch that. <clears throat> you don't do that. <laughs> I says, when you see it happening, you go and pick up the ball, suck a ball, and say, I'm going for a kick. That's what you say. Just go for a kick, right? He gets back after the weekend. Comes up, Dad, what, son? Dad, guess what happened? What, what, son? Dad, I couldn't believe it. What, son? As soon as I got there, the porn came out. The alcohol did it. The alcohol came did it. Cigarettes did it. And what did you do? I looked at Dad, and I said, wow, Dad was right. He said, oh, I know what to do. He went and picked up the ball, began to walk. I'm going out for a kick. And he says, better than that, six guys followed me out. Pre-event decisions. What, I talked about dating last time, but what are you going to plan? Plan before. This is why we do it. This is what responsibility is in training up someone to do it. So teach them how to think, not what to think. Jesus was trained at home by his parents. At the age of 12, he, he did something a little bit naughty. He, he left his mum and dad, and, um, or Joseph and his mum. But he went home until he was 30, and he got trained up at home. Responsibility, coming up home. John the Baptist, end time prophet, says this. He says, the spirit of Elijah is going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Don't you know the, don't you know the Bible in this church? <laughs> I know you do. And turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. This is what's going to happen. And there's a generation waiting for mums and dads to do it for God. And they'll see the victory happen. I honor this church. Great children's church city. Great youth group. Doing what it can to support mum and dad. Don't expect your pastors, Paul and Kate, and all the pastoral team to do it for you. Get behind them. Making sure that your values are lining up with God's work. Because I know Paul and Kate's do. When they do that and you get that coinciding, you're collecting that when you're actually marrying the parents at home with your church and then you go to a school that's doing the same, you're going to have a child that can have a straight arrow, balanced, hitting the target for God's glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, your word says this in Colossians chapter 13, chapter 3, a prayer. And Paul writes this to us. Therefore, elect of God, holy and beloved parents, 
put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, and long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of God dwell in you richly and all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. And whatever you do in words or deeds, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, let's have a prayer. It's my prayer for this amazing church. Every parent, grandparent, every single mum, every single dad, every composite family, every nuclear family. This is my prayer for them. Everything we do to be done in the grace of God. For that blessing in Jesus' name.